Hey, St. John. Welcome to the Post-Sermon Podcast. I am Deaconess Dahlia, and with me today is Pastor Adam. Hi, Deaconess. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? Doing well. Well, we'll be discussing your sermon from this past Sunday. Okay, tell me a little bit about the text that you preached on. Uh, Jesus is praying, and the key thing in Luke's gospel, Jesus is praying all the time. So it's not surprising to see the reading start off with, now Jesus was praying at a certain place. This is like the eighth time this is happening. His disciples come up and ask him about how to pray. He teaches them the Lord's Prayer, and then we get a parable about uh, a friendship and just think about our relationship to our Father and how He hears our requests. And then you get some more discussion from Jesus about prayer, and then you get a mention of the Holy Spirit, and the reading ends. So there's a lot going on in the reading. And can you tell us a little bit about what that parable is saying? Yeah, so the parable, you have uh, a friend. Uh, it's a philos who comes at night and talks to another friend. He needs bread because if someone's coming on a journey— and he's not ready for this other uh, friend who showed up. And so he's kind of annoying his other friend, but the friend in the house isn't too happy with his friend either. He doesn't get out of bed because like, oh, it's my friend and I love the guy. No, it's I'm annoyed with him. So I'm going to deal with his request. Um, and you were saying that reminded you of, of another parable in Luke. Yeah, it reminded me of the parable of the unjust judge or persistent widow. It's the same sort of thing, right? Where the widow persistently goes to the judge. Yeah, yeah. She wants her justice. And she just keeps going and, and, you know, bothering this judge essentially until he's like, fine, have your justice, just leave me alone. And so you get these negative stories, these negative parables, and Jesus uses them to show conversely, how does our Heavenly Father treat us? He's not annoyed by us. He's not an unjust judge. He's good. He's caring. He's our Father. And this annoyance that you just brought up. So when you were reading the text, is that what gave you an idea about what you wanted to preach on when people annoy us? It was one of my uh, thoughts with the sermon. I, I had a d- couple different ideas of what to do with it, but I, I like that idea. Think about annoyance, and especially when you get a parable like this from Jesus, because you get a few of these in Luke. Luke has a ton of parables, and you have a number of them that are, you have characters that are not of good character. And Jesus will hold these up as examples to think about our Heavenly Father. And so is he just playing the opposite game, or is he revealing something about the mystery of God and his gracious work? And so think about annoyance, think about our relationship to God. And then, of course, we do annoy each other as, as people. That is really interesting. And I mean, especially in verse 13, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who, who ask Him? So once again, he's talking about people who are evil, giving them good gifts. And now he's using that comparison. Like, why is that, that he's choosing these examples to compared to himself, really, of giving good gifts? Why do you think? Uh, My guess would be that the reign of God in Christ is always acting in an unexpected way. And so we know how people, uh, we we know how to expect people to treat one another out of annoyance or begrudgingly, fine, I'll do this. And Jesus is reminding us that God acts in a way that we don't expect because, oh, what we expect is evil. What we expect is our sin. What we expect is our frustrations and groanings and the things that are wrong in this world and how we treat each other. Jesus is reminding us that God is doing something wholly new and something wholly different than what we expect. Maybe it also shows like our lack of faith as well, that mm-hmm. we do expect evil people to help us and give us things. And how many times do we doubt that our perfect Heavenly Father will give us good gifts? Is yeah. there something to be said there? I, I think so. I think that's really nice, especially you get the whole, you know, ask and be given to you, seek and you'll find, knock, and it'll be open to you. And you get that explicitly in, the, in these verses too. 
Very good. So I do have a here submitted question that has to do with this text, going back to that verse that I just read, 1113. Um, the end of the verse makes it sound like we make a decision for Christ by asking for the Holy Spirit. Um, so it says at the end, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So then how should we interpret that passage? That's a good question. Uh, I, I was thinking about some of this during the prep when I looked at this verse back then, especially in Luke's gospel. You know, you are waiting for the final giving of the Holy Spirit, but you don't get that until you get to the book of Acts when you have Pentecost. Uh, you have the Holy Spirit who's given, you know, mentioned uh, the Holy Spirit will be upon John, right? When you get uh, the angel announcing to Elizabeth about uh, John. Uh, but what about the giving of the Holy Spirit, you know, in total? I guess part of the answer is, for someone to pray that they need the Holy Spirit and to pray for these good things, they're already a Christian. And if they're already a Christian, will you only become a Christian by the Holy Spirit's work? The Spirit has already done the converting work. The Spirit has already brought you into the faith. You, you're, you are in the kingdom of God. You're, you're under the reign of Christ already. And as a Christian, we should pray for these things and expect these things. And maybe it goes back to some of your point about um, the, the trust that we we have an evil people, but we sometimes wonder about the trust we have in our God and will he actually come through on these things? Yeah, no, I'm glad you said that. And I think that's how I took the verse as well, was he's talking about people who have already been converted by the Holy Spirit. And there's nothing wrong for us as Christians to ask for the Holy Spirit. And I was, I was just at Concordia Deacon's conference in our our speaker was talking about this. Like we have no problem saying like, come Lord Jesus when we pray at mealtimes, yet we do struggle with saying something like, come Holy Spirit. Well, just, um, just, just once a year, right? Pentecost. Just, just once a year. Yeah, we only talk about the Spirit yeah. then and no more. And of course yeah. we believe in our baptisms we were given the Spirit, um, but it's, it's, not, it's not too Pentecostal or too, it's, it's a Christian thing to ask for the Spirit to help us with our words, to help us strengthen our faith, all of that. And that's why I even in the sermon, especially because we get explicit mention of the Holy Spirit here, uh, to actually uh, weave this into the sermon, that's why I had those repeated lines about how the Spirit uh, daily washes us from our sins, the Spirit strengthens us for the days ahead, He gives us pause when we deal with that annoying person. So again and again, the mentioning of the Spirit's work is this constant reality in our lives as Christians all the way through until He, the Spirit raises us on the last day. Yeah, and and this really does fit perfectly with your sermon as we're we're talking about the Holy Spirit and now in your sermon you're talking about prayer, which we're only able to to pray by the Spirit. So can you tell me what is the central teaching of your sermon? The central teaching is that God hears you and through his son has given his Holy Spirit. And so I tried to have a bit more of a Trinitarian emphasis there since we get the Trinity all on display in the reading. What was the problem that the sermon sought to identify? The problem, I think, is twofold. One is to recognize our sin and our evilness before God. Uh, often in Luke's gospel, Jesus is, you know, is described as, oh, Luke is like, this is the nice Jesus and gentle Jesus, and he's kind to the oppressed, and he's kind to women and children and so on. And Jesus gives some of his toughest teaching. He's kind of mean in, in, in plenty of parts of Luke. And here, he just, as I mentioned in the sermon, he casually just calls people, oh, if you then who are evil, 
and it's it's I mean it's just Pony Ross in Greek. It, it is it is the word for evil. You just can't get around. You know, you can't soften that translation there. And it's a reminder of our sin is that bad. Our sin has separated us from our Father, and um, the same God, Father, Son, and Spirit is rescuing us. The same God is restoring us. And so part of us to recognize our sin, our annoyance to God that we have rebelled against Him, but also the other issue is our annoyance towards one another. Our sin is not only maligned our relationship to God, our sin is maligned our relationships with one another. And just to help us maybe see those relationships in light of the of the light of Christ. And that was kind of the twofold nature of the problem I was dealing with is our relationship to God and our relationship to our neighbor through annoyance. So would you say that's how you got to Jesus in your sermon? Was we're trying to see other people through this light of Christ that's been given to us? I think so. I wanted to build towards, you know, not just bringing up the example of, well, there are people in her lives who annoy us and just forget about that example. I don't like doing that in preaching, but rather how does this connect back into our reality in Christ? And so, yeah, uh, we annoy one another. It's a reminder of our sin. And you get this parable here that Jesus brings up of two friends annoying each other, and then he connects it to his father. So just kind of following the example of Christ here, we think about our God who does not see us as annoying anymore. Our God does not see us as evil anymore because he's redeemed us. He's rescued us. And because of that, that transforms how we see our lives around us. Yeah, the, the gospel actually does something to us. It transforms us for this daily living and this daily repentance and the forgiveness of sins, this daily sanctifying work. And now we're into the, the realm of the spirit and his preserving us to the last day. So I think through that, you are trying to benefit us in our relationships with one another, that we can see each other differently. Um, And kind of going back to what, especially what you said at the beginning of your sermon about thinking about someone that annoys us, and and you mentioned how easily that can be feeling anger towards a person. And then before we know it, we're sinning against the fifth. So what is the distance between feeling annoyed and feeling angry towards a person? Or would you say it's the same? I mean, yeah, there are different feelings. We are allowed to have them. We are creatures created with emotion and feeling, and that's part of the first article. But we're also shot through a sin, and how quickly does something like, I'm annoyed with this person, it just segues into, well, now I'm angry at this person, or I don't like this person. Or we try to avoid that person. Yeah. Yeah, and so sometimes we'll kind of talk to like confirmation kids or whatever, like, what's the difference between being tempted and sinning? And we know, you know, being tempted is one thing, sinning is sin. You know, Christ was tempted and, and is without sin. The Lord's Prayer lead us not into temptation. But how much of a gap is there between those two things? Or how quickly do we go from temptation right into sin? And so I was kind of playing off that idea with annoyance and these other true sins. Yeah, and I know you've said in the past that if we're asking the question, like, is this a sin? The answer is? Yeah, it probably is. Probably is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. stop trying to justify yourself, right? It could be part of it, yeah. Sure. So can you tell me something about the text that did not make it into the sermon? Especially when you get the mention of the Holy Spirit at the end and the giving of the Spirit. It's interesting to note that the next part of Luke, the next section, it deals with Jesus casting out demons. Let me, let me turn here to that. And we actually skip this in the lectionary. We jump ahead to chapter 12 next week, so we don't get these verses. Yeah, so verse 13, which we read, If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Verse 14. And so 
with Luke here, you have no real timestamps. You have no real reference. You just, this happened and this happened. You don't, you don't always know where you are. And so Luke puts us next. Now he was casting out a demon that was mute. And so you have the giving of the spirit, you have the casting out of, of the demonic. And so there could have been more of a kind of a spiritual warfare sort of aspect, or just the, the larger battle between um, uh, the devil and his angels and Christ. Uh, it's, you know, that was one aspect I thought about going into and kind of opening the here to see, you know, some of the larger context going on in Luke, but I decided not to go in that direction. Yeah, that's a really interesting connection. Where do we find the sermon's teaching in the small catechism? Uh, of course, the the Lord's Prayer and its petitions there, but especially the idea of annoyance. I think the fifth commandment comes up and, you know, uh, we don't hurt or harm our neighbor in his body. And we may be annoyed with our neighbor. And how quickly does that lead to some other action or response that, you know, threatens and breaks that commandment? And I also think of the eighth commandment about not bearing false testimony against our neighbor, that we put the best construction on things, that we think well of him, speak well of him, right? Explain everything in the kindest way. Uh, those are some areas I think that come into play with uh, small catechism. Yeah, I would even add to that. When you were mentioning, or when you were proclaiming the gospel at the end of the sermon, and you mentioned how the Spirit daily washes away your sins. Yes. I mean, definitely the baptism section. I mean, there's so much on sanctification there um, about daily dying to sin and uh, new life rising. So would you agree that that could also be? Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, I'll just go to the third article of the creed as well. Talking about the yep. spirit and, you know, he daily forgives my sins. Yeah. Yep. Well, I think that's all that I have for you. This wraps up the episode for today. Thank you for listening to today's discussion. In case you missed today's sermon or would like to listen to it again, the link to the sermon is in the show notes. And you can also find the sermon on our church website, stjohndublin.org. If you would like to submit a question about a sermon, we love our questions. Yes. Please email us at podcast at stjohndublin.org. Thank you, Pastor, for joining me and for feeding us the word this week. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, at some point, we're going to do a special episode to welcome our new vicar, Alan Doss. That's right. He's and been listening in on this episode. Yeah, fun yeah. Fun fact. I can only imagine what he's thinking about this uh, recording process. So, uh, and also fun fact, his first day preaching will be August 14th. So we look forward to having him bring oh, the word to us that now. Week. Yeah, August 14th. So that'd be cool. Excellent. All right. Take care. See y'all.